Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin, and each week I turn to the teachings of Scripture and our faith for guidance and inspiration in life. As a part of the Faith at Work online ministry, this week I've added a series of daily Bible readings and short commentaries to my sermon podcast, which I've titled Your Daily Bible Time. Monday through Friday, each week, if you can invest two or three minutes, I will help you start your day with scripture and devotion. Just go to www.jmfaithatwork.com and click on the little microphone in the same way that you access today's sermon. As I was selecting and preparing these Bible readings, I started thinking about how and why we're drawn to reading the Bible. So I decided this is a good time to share a few thoughts about where the Bible came from and the part it can play in our lives. This is a big topic because the Bible has a long history and each of us have our own relationship to it. So let me start by letting the Bible comment on itself by sharing a reading from 2 Timothy. In this letter to a congregation in the newly developing Christian faith, Paul is helping these new believers know how they should employ Scripture in their lives. Keep in mind that the Bible, as we know it, had not been assembled yet, The scripture that Paul was talking about were the Hebrew scriptures, which we call the Old Testament. But the same principle that Paul is explaining about the Old Testament are just as relevant to us as we read the whole Bible. This reading comes from 2 Timothy 3, 14-17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood You have known the sacred writings that you are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness, so that anyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. Here ends the reading. This reading always reminds me of an old episode of The Simpsons where their pastor, the Reverend Lovejoy, is at the point of burnout in his ministry. Whenever someone comes to him with a pastoral question, his advice is always the same. Read the Bible. When Marge Simpson presses this further and asks him what part of the Bible, he responds, Oh, it's all pretty good. Now, that may be true, But Marge didn't find that answer very satisfying or helpful, and I doubt you do either. Let's take a deeper look at how the Bible, according to Paul in our reading today, is inspired by God and useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The first word that we need to think about is inspired. Paul says that scripture is inspired by God. The Greek word that Paul used for inspired literally means God breathed. Holy Scripture is not just words on a page that we can read like any other kind of letter, novel, or history book. The very breath, or Spirit of God, is transmitted to us through these words. Martin Luther, who in the Reformation translated the Bible from the ancient languages that the church had been using, into a modern language that ordinary people could understand, said, The gospel should really not be something written, but a spoken word 
which brought forth the scriptures as Christ and the apostles have done. Not that we should not study and discuss what the Bible means. We also interact with it as a living and breathing thing. Bible reading is a spiritual activity as well as an intellectual one. Where did the Bible come from? It's complicated. The Bible was written over thousands of years by people who lived in a variety of places and circumstances. The early stories of Genesis and Exodus emerged from the myths of prehistory as spoken stories that were handed down from generation to generation until they were written down by people who had come to be known as the Jews. These writings were collected, edited, and used in temple worship and became the basis for worship and a guide for a faithful life. It included the history of those people as they struggled for survival in a brutal world. They also struggled with the God who had created them and promised to save them from their troubles. Eventually, a Jewish teacher or rabbi from Galilee arose among them and began to explain and show them how through his life and death and resurrection, he would be the fulfillment of all that had been revealed before him through scriptures. He would be the embodiment of God's faithfulness to his people and for all humankind. After he died, was resurrected, and ascended, the witnesses to his life kept telling the stories, and eventually these stories were written down in the accounts we have come to know as the Gospels. They, too, were written from the perspective of different authors over several generations. Finally, a man called Paul traveled around the ancient Mediterranean world, sharing the message of the risen Christ. He communed with these communities through public letters. These letters were eventually collected and edited by Paul's followers. By around the year 400, the Hebrew Scriptures, the Gospels, and Paul's letters and other writings were finally assembled into what we know as the Bible, our Holy Scripture. Bottom line, the Bible was written down over a long period of time and edited and sifted out by many people of faith. The most important thing, however, is that the invisible hand of God was at work through this whole process. And that process has not ended. God's Spirit continues to work through biblical scholars, priests, and rabbis, and through the multitudes of people like you and me who read these words, get together with others to discuss and argue over them, and continue to try to discern God's living word in this holy mess. And somehow, it works. God speaks to us, and we listen. Well, that's a little rundown of the origins of the Bible, but what does that mean for the part it plays in our lives? Just as the Word of God is a living thing and changed over millennia, so too is that Word in our individual lives. Let me describe how my relationship with the Word developed, because I'm sure that many of you will have a similar experience. In my early years, I grew up in a home with a solid German-Lutheran tradition. Great emphasis was placed on reading the Bible, and I remember as a child sitting on my mother's knee, she taught Sunday school in our church. Sunday school consisted of reading passages out of the Bible 
and then following a series of activities outlined in the prescribed curriculum from our Lutheran Church body. After reading the passage, we were confronted with a series of leading questions to first of all make sure we were listening and further to see if we might be able to apply the stories to our lives. In our early years, the lessons also involved simple craft projects and activities. What I remember from those lessons was getting the sense that the Bible was a storybook. If there was any moral or spiritual message behind these stories, anything deeper, it had to be communicated subconsciously. As I grew older, those stories lost their magic for me. In high school and college, I cast a skeptical eye on the Bible. It seemed more like a collection of fairy tales than anything else. I was introduced to the history of the Bible times, and I thought, at best, the writers of the Bible were either fooled by their own superstition or were speaking in metaphorical terms. The earth and all that was in it could not have been created in six days, and my knowledge of biology and evolution convinced me that Adam and Eve only existed in the imagination of the Bible writers. I dismissed the miracles of Jesus and struggled to believe how Jesus could have been raised from the tomb. As a literature student, the Bible was reduced to an academic object. It ceased to have any real significance in my life. Well, my youthful skepticism was eventually tested by adult experience. As a hospice volunteer, I witnessed how the dying and their families drew strength from that book, from which I'd become alienated. As a practical matter, I returned to church life after our daughter was born. I believed, not incorrectly, that it was a parent's responsibility to provide a faith basis for their child. After all, it had served me well and provided me with a secure and happy childhood. I even agreed to teach Sunday school when our pastor reached out to me. Suddenly, almost magically, those stories came alive for me again. My childhood faith had not been naive. It was more subtle and more deeply spiritual than my sneering rejection of it had been. Scripture started speaking to me again. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to my childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we shall see face to face. Now I see only in part. Then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love. I had been seeing through a mirror dimly. So I put aside the childish ways of my defiant teens and opened my heart and mind to faith, hope, and love again. When I eventually became a pastor, I have the privilege of watching the profound difference that the Bible made in people's lives especially those facing suffering and hardship. It had power. I learned from observing the people I served that the Bible is a multifaceted gem whose beauty we can each admire through our own perspective. Here are the few ways I've seen people make Scripture a part of their lives. 
Many of the people I know approach Scripture unquestioningly as the authoritative Word of God. The Bible is what it is, and it says what it says. And these people base their lives and their morals on what the Bible says. True, they sometimes struggle when confronted with apparent contradictions within the Word or even when it challenges their moral sensibilities. But by letting the Spirit work through them, they find a way to discern what God is saying to them. They're willing to do the hard work of struggling with God to find answers. I would never dismiss this unquestioning faith in God's Word, even when I strongly disagree with Him. Who am I to judge how God is working and speaking through them and to them? I've known other people who turned to Scripture for the pure beauty and inspiration. There was a woman in our church that people referred to, usually, usually lovingly, as the Bible verse lady. Whenever you met Ethel, she would greet you with these words, the words of Psalm 118.24. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And when she said those words, she really did make you rejoice in every day. That alone is a worthy use of God's Word. But I'm still also drawn to the serious study of the history of the Bible and its peoples. Reading of the trials and tribulations of the people of Israel through thousands of years of struggles leading up to this day, one cannot help but be amazed by the consistency of experience of God's people through history. God is present in history. Nothing happens in today's news that's not without precedent. When the evening news shows refugees fleeing their homes in war-torn Ukraine, you can easily picture the residents of Jerusalem fleeing under the onslaught of the Roman conquerors. It reminds us that the presence of God gives us the resilience to continue on and never lose hope. But also, when I hear the wailing of a child in a bombed-out home, I hear the Israelites weeping for their destroyed land from exile in Babylon. For the Bible gives voice to the hopeless, the helpless, and forsaken with the promise that evil never speaks the last word. Most of all, I like to read the Bible the way that I did as a little child, as a magical storybook. I can still picture the vivid color illustration in the child's Bible given to me at my baptism. Its words were the words of the adult King James Version, but I remember the stories in the reds, blues, and purples of the robed characters in the story of Joseph and his beautiful robe. I can picture the muscled Goliath reeling as the stone that had been launched from the diminutive shepherd boy's sling strikes him on the forehead. And the picture of the shepherds gathered with the loving Mary and Joseph round the major, adoring their child, awakens the magic of the nativity to life, no matter what time of year it is. Those stories speak to me in new and deeper ways every year and every day. How do you read the Bible? That's up to you. You'll probably find a lot of days, ways. 
But let's close by listening to the Bible in another way. Through the beautiful poetry of John, in which he gives the most beautiful description of the Word of God ever spoken. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all the people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become the children of God, who were born not of blood or the will of the flesh, or the will of a man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He he who comes after me ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God the only Son who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known to us. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. Join me each Monday through Friday for your daily Bible time. God bless you and read the Bible.